Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to dive in this morning. In just a moment, we're going to get into Matthew chapter 3. Just two verses, verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> but today we're going to be ministering on keeping the fire of God burning in our walk with Christ. Our Christian walk with Christ is meant to be a burning light, like a bonfire. Who's been to an Evan bonfire before? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a handful of people been to an Evan. Well, of course, all the Evans raise their hand. Yeah, we'll have to have an Evan. We'll have to do. We'll have to have that tradition. Maybe we can do it at my my house one day. Do a good old fashioned Evan bonfire that Josh has been a part of many as well as others building them. How tall do they get, Josh? They're about twenty feet, maybe fifteen, ten, fifteen. I mean, when it, they look like they reach to the sky. Got to start them with firecrackers from about 20 yards away or you're going to get blown up because they got enough gas in that thing to fuel a jet plane. But when that thing goes off, it just lights up the sky. It's what our life is called to be like. We, the people of God, are to be a beacon of hope providing safe passage to the harbor. In Matthew 5, 16, before we get to Matthew 3, so you don't have to turn if your Bibles are open, it says, let your light so shine before men that we may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Today, let's stoke the flame. Let's stir us up. A bit and talk about the fire of God in our lives. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12. His winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly. Everybody say thoroughly. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. And gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Holy Spirit, may your word just come and minister to our hearts. May it go forth with grace and mercy, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would leave this place as burning lamps, Lord set upon a hill for all to see. 
Lord, we give you all the glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Fire is inevitable. Look at the person next to you and say, fire is inevitable. <laughs> fire, it's, I know it's a crazy opening point, but fire is inevitable. Even in this passage, speaking about Jesus baptizing us in fire, at the same time, we see this other unquenchable fire. So either the Holy Spirit in fire or unquenchable fire. Fire is inevitable. We could let that sink in for a little while. I know that's a crazy first point. We're going to get past it kind of quick. So anybody who's on the edge of your seat, just relax. Just relax for a moment. It says that his winnowing fork, his winnowing fan is in his hand. And I think of fork because first time I began to learn from example, from illustration, what winnowing was, was not really something we many of us do on any sort of regular basis, but when we were in the Philippines and we would go to some, not necessarily always, sometimes in the city, but most of the time you go to a provincial barangay, you go someplace outside of the city and they would have their harvest, each individual home and or barangay would have their harvest of rice just lying on the concrete or sometimes dirt road or gravel or something, and they would just have their rice harvest laid out there, and they would let it lay out there for however long it took to dry it out, and then they would come, and in often cases, whether it was a winnowing fork or in many cases because they didn't always have winnowing forks, it was just some sort of a sheet, and they would start just either winnowing this rice up into the air or with the sheet Kind of like, you know, what's that parachute game when you throw somebody up in the air? And they would just start throwing that rice up into the air, either with fork or sheet, for the purpose of separating the rice grain from the chaff. And in this case, in a very, you know, sort of provincial Filipino way, the, the chaff just gets carried off by the wind, but... In these passages right here, it's, it's talking about the winnowing fork or the winnowing fan is in the Lord's hand. And basically what we see is that there is a whole heap of chaff being stockpiled for a day of fire. I know, a little sobering for point number one, but again, we're going to get past it. But it's, it's worth and worthy of addressing. So the fire that we choose as we're opening up today about keeping the fire burning, the fire that we're choosing, it's really a no-brainer. Look at the person next to you and say, it's a no-brainer. We're going with the Holy Ghost in fire, right? 
We're not going for unquenchable fire. We're going for the Holy Spirit in fire being poured out in our life. So we need the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire. When it was prophesied that one was coming mightier than I by John the Baptist. He was referring to Jesus. He was referring to Christ. He was referring to the Savior. And in just the same breath, salvation was coming with empowerment by way of fire. This was synonymous. The Holy Spirit the triune God, third person of the Trinity, when he is poured out into a person's life, he comes with the baptism of fire. Jesus being the baptizer. Let's go on a, just a very quick little theological excursion just for a few minutes and understand baptism. Because Baptism, there's, when we talk about the word baptism, more times than not, we think about water baptism. And by the way, we got another water baptism. Is it already next week? It's already next week. So first of every, we, we try to do it first of every month. And we know that we have a handful of people needing water baptism. So keep that in mind, water baptism next week. Class before the service. But we think about water baptism, but there's, there's three different biblical baptisms, and then there's other types of baptisms that aren't necessarily spiritual or biblical. Because when we talk about baptism, we're talking about just the, the dipping repeatedly, the immersion of one to be submerged, to be baptized is to be covered from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head to be cleansed. And so when we start talking about baptism, the, the whole being overwhelmed by water, I mean, you, get, you jump into a swimming pool in your backyard and you go all the way under, well, you just got baptized into your pool. My son woke up this morning and said he wanted to go swimming. Somebody forgot to tell him that summer was over. You get overwhelmed by water when you jump into a pool where the depth is over your head. You're baptized into that pool. The first thing that happens when salvation comes into our life is John 6, 44, where it says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. John 6, 44. How is this drawing taking place? The Father draws us to salvation through the work of the Holy Spirit moving upon a person's heart. So when the moment we begin to sense ourselves becoming open, do you all remember that moment? Becoming open to Jesus. I'll be, have the opportunity to share my testimony later today again 
and celebration of life, love sharing that moment. I remember the moment from going so closed to in a moment of time being so open to Christ. I think my mom was even more excited than I was. Any mothers in the room that are excited when they're kids. But that moment when we become open and we begin to desire God, whom we later learned to be Jesus. In my case, I looked up and just said, thank you, God, and opened up my heart and learned later that it was Jesus, my Savior, our Savior, whom I opened up my life to. But this is the work of the Holy Spirit. We could actually say that the Holy Spirit is the baptizer into Christ. Think about this. The first baptism that any of us receive is the baptism into Christ. And that's salvation. We are found in Christ. Our life becomes overwhelmed with Christ. This is the reason why no man, no person can boast about salvation because it was God who drew us. We can't take any credit for it as though you somehow did something wonderful. Ephesians 2 tells us, for it is by free grace, everybody say free grace, that you are saved. It is through faith, and this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. And then when God brings this free grace and moves upon our heart by the Holy Spirit and salvation comes into our life, we are overwhelmed in this baptism into Christ. From there, in Matthew chapter 3, in verse 11, it says that then he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So we can, in literal terms, we can see that we're first baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit Christ being the substance, and then Christ then baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit then being the substance. Water baptism, whether it's a pastor or a leader or a friend or a whomever it was that baptized you, it's the substance of the water that we're being overwhelmed with in that baptism. So Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Everybody say, will baptize me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The how-to is very simple. In the same way that we invite Jesus into our heart at salvation, 
Jesus, the, the thousands of different ways that that experience took place. Mine was, thank you, God. Yours might have been, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I really messed up and need you. What are some other ways that it happened, right? Or how about this one? Jesus, help! Was that anybody's salvation prayer? Help! I need help now! Of course, you always hear the one, Lord, if you, if you save me today, Lord, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Did anybody pray that one? Yeah, there you go. Thousands of ways. It's, it's no, there's no systematic one simple well, they're simple, but there's no one prayer that we have to pray. It's just, it's the moment that the Holy Ghost draws us and our heart is opened and Jesus, boom, comes into our life. Changes, it every, changes everything. Well, in the same way, in that, in that very same way, now that we've been baptized in the Christ, we now have access to our Savior, Jesus. We have access to our heavenly Father through Christ. And now, as the scriptures tell us, we simply invite Jesus to now baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Are you seeing that? In the same way you want to get water baptized, well, as much as we would like to and even pretend to sometimes, we're, we're not great mind readers. Minus, of course, for all the spiritual ones in the house when the gifts of the Holy Ghost are moving. <laughs> Got to clarify things around here. There are times where we are a little mind readers. But you say, hey, I want to I be water baptized. Actually, it's not quite like that most of the time. Most of the time it's like this. Hey, I want to be water baptized. <laughs> and we write you down and we bring you in class and, and then... We come over here and we dunk you. And if we don't get you all the way, we dunk you again. It's the same simple process for all of these experiences in our walk with Christ. Jesus, your word says that you will baptize me in the Holy Spirit in fire. And you come to Jesus with that simple prayer. It's amazing to me over, over the years of my, my Christian journey. For me, it's been nearly three decades. And some of the simplest prayers, some of the ones that were the most simple, that they even went forgotten. Unnoticed and forgotten by myself that the Lord just comes and, and brings back and makes happen in my life. I'll never forget the, the time when I was reading Samuel, the first book of Samuel, for the first time as a brand new Christian. Maybe 20 years old at this point and, and reading the first book of Samuel and, and seeing that, that the Lord called the boy Samuel by name. And I remember just thinking, not even praying, just thinking, Lord. That would be cool if you call me by name. I just thought, man, that was really cool. You called him by name. And I just thought it and just went on about my life for, for probably a, a couple few months from there 
Didn't really journal it or write it down until, until one night I, in the middle of the night. I was in Teen Challenge, as, as most of you would know, and in that program. And in the middle of the night, I heard, Jamie, my son. I jumped up out of the bed. I thought for sure somebody was pranking me because we were living in a room with 20 other guys. It smelled really good. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I looked around, and the room was dark, and nobody was moving around. I, I, I probably looked under my bed to make sure they didn't crawl under my bed. You never know in those places. And then I realized the Lord answered my prayer. The Lord called me by name. He calls each one of us by name. Whether or not you heard that name audibly or not, I'm telling you, Jesus is calling you by name. Personal. And so we come to him and we say, Jesus, baptize us like your word says with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And a fire is kindled in our heart. There is a fire that begins to burn in our life. And in Hebrews 12, 29, as well as, as, well as in the Old Testament, it says, for our God is a consuming fire. You see, fire is inevitable. We have to get consumed with fire, and we're choosing the Holy Ghost in fire. Because our God, not some other God, our God is a consuming fire, as Jeremiah, that old-time prophet, said in Chapter 20, verse 9, he says, I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name. But he says, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I cannot hold it back. You see, the fire of God burning in our life is what motivates and propels us. Gives us courage, strength boldness to be able to live and walk for God victoriously, joyfully, powerfully in any age, throughout any time in history, and throughout any time in the future. We need the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire is no, it's no real, it's not a complicated word when you look at it in the, in the word of God, no matter where it's used, it, it just, you know, fire means fire, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just fire. The nature of fire, we know the nature of fire. I would totally embarrass Carrie and have him come up here and give us a whole illustration of fire, but he wouldn't maybe come. Firemen know about fire. Fire consumes. The nature of fire is not to consume some, but to consume all. Fire continues to consume as long as it has fuel and oxygen. I think that's a true statement. Not going to ask the fireman. 
A fire, as Proverbs tells us in 30.16, fire's never satisfied. Proverbs 30.16 says, and fire never says enough. Never says enough. Isn't it strange? Our God, our God is a consuming fire. Proverbs and fire never says enough. God always wants more of us. He always wants more. You say, how much do I have to give the Lord? How much do I have to love the Lord? How much do I have to walk with the Lord? And the answer is always simple, more. That's it, more. Because the moment you say, oh, I'm, I'm there, woo! It's not, we're not talking about a red flame, we're talking about a red flag, right? So the answer is simple. With the fire of God and God being all-consuming fire, how much do I have to give God? You just got to give him more. Because fire's never satisfied. He wants more of you. Not, not in a bad way, not to consume and, and destroy you, but to fire is one of those weird things in nature and in God's creation in that on the surface, it's never satisfied. It even destroys it. It can consume on the surface. You know, a building burns down and on, you know, it, 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 on the surface, it doesn't look good. Or you, you burn a field down and on the surface, it doesn't look good. But all of a sudden, a little bit later, there's, there's new life that begins to grow. It's one of those weird things in nature that though it has a, a seemingly destructive and real, realistically destructive nature to it, it provides opportunity for new provides opportunity for new. When we're talking about the fire of God, we're not talking about consuming and destroying you for the purpose of destruction. We're talking about consuming the ramble, consuming the chaff and the, the, the extra and the unneeded things in our life so that we can be a new and productive people of God. fire of God. Once a fire, admittedly, this is not mine. I just stole this from somewhere. But once a fire has started, it will consume to burn as long as there is fuel and oxygen to feed it. The heat of the flame itself keeps the fuel at the ignition temperature so it continues to burn. Again, as long as there's fuel and oxygen. So how do I interpret such a description of fire that, in other words, as long as we, the people of God, have flesh on our bones and oxygen in our lungs, there is a need for the fire of God to continue to burn in our lives. Because God wants more of us. We're talking about keeping the fire burning. We're the fuel to keep the fire of God burning in our lives. Whew. 
So we're baptized with fire. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here on this day of Pentecost was the initial fulfillment of God baptizing Jesus, baptizing his people in fire. Not so much different from the day that King Solomon dedicated the temple. I mean, the day that he dedicated the temple, it says that the the glory of the Lord filled the place. They couldn't minister. They couldn't do anything. Not so much different from when Moses would go to climb the mountain, but from the perspective of the children of Israel, the mountain was ablaze with fire. Not so much different from that day when Elijah came and had the offering set up in order for the challenge was on. Let's see whose God is real. And and when God showed up and consumed that offering, he showed up as a consuming fire. He burned up the offering. He burned up the wood. He burned up the stones. He burned up the water that was in the trench around the offering. He consumed it all as a picture for us. That God is an all-consuming fire. He wants all of us. He wants to burn and consume our life and our family. I was trying to think about how to, as we swing and talk about just very personally the fire burning in our lives, how to how to kind of compare this individually. And, I, and the only real, and it's hard to do sometimes. But I thought about for those of us who have gas ovens in our, in our home, you know. And those, of course, most, many gas ovens have the electronic starts. I remember when I got my new oven, I was like, okay, where's the, the pilot? And Chris was like, no, no, pastor's got an electronic thing. Got an electronic star. I'm like, where? I need to light the pilot, right? No, it's got, you turn it, it's got the electronic thing. I mean, you know, you can take the boy out of China, but sometimes you can't take China out the boy. And so I'm just trying to figure out how to just light my oven, right? And, um, but those good old-fashioned ovens with the pilots, you know, you light that, you light that pilot in there, that pilot's going, and, you know, you crank up the temperature. You crank up the temperature. And to some, in, in a very horrible illustration, but in some relating way, there's many of us, we have the fire of God within us. We have the touch of God upon our life, but it's like we just have that, we have that oven on warm. We just have the oven on 
warm when, when the Lord wants us to begin to crank up that temperature. Crank up that temperature to, to good old-fashioned broil level. To where anything you put in that thing is just going to get crispy. He wants the fire burning brightly in our life. Not just a, a flickering flame. You say, well, is that, is that his will? Is that his desire for me? I'm telling you, that's his desire for each one of us. Every one of us. He doesn't, he doesn't just want just a little pilot that, that might just blow out. But he wants a flame burning brightly. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, starting with 5, he says, When I called you, or when I called to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, talking to Timothy, a man of God with genuine faith, which dwelt in you, first in your grandmother, then in your mother, Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Sounds like at this point he's almost having to persuade himself that it's in him. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced it's in you somewhere. We, we, have, we have people like that in our lives. I'm persuaded and I'm persuading myself that that fire and that gift is in you. But listen to what he tells them. He says in verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God, you know, I'm just going to make one quick point. I can't get stuck here today. But understand that salvation does not come by way of laying on of hands. Salvation comes by way of placing our faith in Christ. And in this passage, Paul is being specific in talking about this gift in Timothy's life. And we're going to read it from the Amplified in a moment that he's talking about this gift came into his life at the laying on of his hands. Different after salvation came into his life. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. And of love and of sound mind. Listen to the Amplified of verse, just verse 6 and maybe verse 7. It says, this is why I would remind you to stir up. Hear this. Rekindle the embers. Fan the flame. And keep burning the gracious gift of God. That inner fire. That is in you by means of laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardness, of craving and, craving and cringing and fawning in fear. But he has given us a spirit of power, love, calm, and well-balanced mind, and discipline, and self-control. So let's put that in layman's turn. Paul looks at Timothy and he said, Timothy, keep the fire burning. Timothy, don't coward away 
Timothy, don't shy away. Timothy, it doesn't matter how they come against you. It doesn't matter the challenges you face. It doesn't matter, Timothy. I want you to fan and rekindle the flame of God in your life. How much of you does God want? We'll go with both. I mean, both were good answers. I mean, I did say more. But we're going to go with all two, right? I think it was like this side said all, this side said more. I don't know. You don't need help? All right, we're going to say all, then we're going we're gonna to adapt. I'm adaptable. I can even add to the sermon. I mean, this is great. We'll go with all first. How much does God want? All. Now we're going to go with more. How much does God want? More. <laughs> we're, we're adaptable. I've learned that. I'm getting more adaptable in my young age. Paul was telling Timothy to rekindle, rekindle the flame. I tell you that today. Rekindle the flame in your life. Rekindle the flame. Some of you say, Pastor, I'm not sure there ever was a flame. Let's get the flame kindled. Let's get the flame of God burning in your life. Who will baptize you? Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. This baptism has has many different evidences from the fire of God, which burns out the ramble and burns the glory of God, burns brightly from our life to our prayer language, beginning to pray in other tongues and beginning to access in our prayer language just different levels of prayer that we've never accessed before. The gift of God begin to operate from our life to where before we felt like we were cowardly or we didn't know how to address certain sicknesses or certain people that seemed to be demonically oppressed or possessed or, or different challenges, but all of a sudden the gift of God, there's a, there's a courage in our life. We can take things on. I want to speak to us who, whether you're here today or whether you're thinking in your mind about somebody else in your life, that you're wondering if that flame is burning. So many times our minds wander. We start thinking about husbands. We start thinking about wives. We start thinking about children, cousins, relatives. In Matthew 12, 20, he says, He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. I want to tell you today, the Lord is not in the business of going around and snuffing out people's flames. I'll even say it this straight, simple, indirect. You can enter heaven with the faintest of flame burning. It's not the goal. It's not the goal. But it's an absolute truth. I've known people, you know people in our life that at one time the flame was burning so brightly. It was so glorious, the work of God in, in this individual's life or that 
person's life and in the years begin to transpire and for whatever reason one bucket of water after one wet blanket after another difficult situation sometimes it it just appears on the on the surface like where is the fire where is the fire we begin to worry and we begin to get concerned First of all, I need us to know that that's not the Lord's doing. It's not the Lord's doing. The Lord is not in the business of snuffing out the faintest of flames. But we are the fuel and we are the oxygen. We have a responsibility ourselves to keep our flames number one above all else. Our flames burning brightly. You want to help somebody else to rekindle another flame? You want to be that that Olympic torch that's going around and, and lighting the other flames? Well, number one, your flame needs to be burning brightly. It's hard to go around lighting candles and torches when you're the flickering candle. It's true. I'm giving you practical things here. I mean, we're, we're, we're deep, we're high, wherever, whatever way you want to go, but we can be practical. Keep your flames burning brightly. Pray for your husbands, your wives, your children, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandmas, your moms, your dads. Pray for them. Witness to them. Share with them, but not at the expense of your own flame beginning to barely, barely, barely burn because of what they're deciding and doing in their life. You be a burning light. Burn brightly. Be patient. Be prayerful. I remember a time, one of those, one of those devastating relationships in my own life from, from eons, other, life's, other lifetime, it almost feels, when a person in my life was one of these brightly shining city upon a hill type of people, lamps upon a lampstand, and, and through there was a us relationally, there was a falling out, that person just went their way, and man, I was, I was telling my wife recently, I said, I said man, I was mad. I was viper type of mad at what had, that person had done to me and felt, took it too, way too personal, but it, was, it wasn't good. Years and years and years and years pass. And finally, there was another opportunity. And I was always concerned about this individual. What, what's going on with their life, their, their walk with God? Their salvation and he who endures to the end shall be saved. And just these questions that we're all wrestling with. We're really all wrestling with. And, and my only answer to some of these questions is, is that you stay as far away from the cliff as possible. You keep your light burning as brightly as possible. Some of these questions we're not going to have answers to until we get to eternity. And even then he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And some things that we think we're going to be concerned about, we're not going to be concerned about anymore. But the opportunity finally came, and, and, and I was with this, this person. And the first thing I did, and remember the last time I'd, I'd, I'd come across this person, I was mad, 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 admittedly so mad. Not like good, holy mad. No, mad. I mean, I was mad. Like, not good mad. 
because of what had happened. I mean, I had to watch my heart. I had to make sure that I didn't get all like, you know, nasty myself, mad. I saw this person after years and years and years and, and just went up and first thing I did was just hug the person. Because, I mean, I missed them. I missed the relationship. I missed, I missed the, what God used to be doing in their life. I just hugged them. And I didn't really know where to go from there. I just hugged them. And finally that person just, just looked, at, looked right at me and just began to apologize. From years and years and years. Now I'm 47 years old, so who knows? This could be 30 years ago. This could be 15 years ago. Don't try to figure it out. <laughs> I know your brains. I know some of your brains. But this person looks at me and, and began to apologize. After years and years, and this person, you know, had walked away in terms of just practically walking with the Lord every day, had long walked away from that. And I just looked at that person and I just said, it's gone. It's done with. Let's move forward and let's try to regain all the years we've lost. What's my point? My point is hold very loosely to hurts and offenses because even when those people and they hurt us so bad and they do things that just seem to go so deep, we don't want to be those people that we're the ones who are snuffing out that faintly burning light. Those are the opportunities. And my prayer at that moment, and we'll still don't know what that moment will produce in the years to come and how those years can be repaid and, and recaptured. But we, like the Lord, we don't want to be the ones who, who accidentally just put a little bit more water on t- top of somebody's flickering flame. You can always error to the side of mercy and grace. Right. Now, we all fail. I'm at the top of the list. These things that I, that I have the privilege of preaching, it doesn't mean that just because I preach them that I do them perfectly. We're all just figuring this thing out together. You know, doctors are practicing medicine, and we're figuring out how to walk with the Lord, right? <laughs> Every day, we're just figuring it out. We're figuring it out day after day. But we do have to recognize, as we kind of bring this to a close, we do have to recognize in our own personal lives, I'm going to bring it back to each one of us now, we each have to recognize the fire of God burning in our lives. And it's to each their own. This is very personal with you and Jesus and and the Holy Spirit in your life, recognizing, you know, do I, has Jesus baptize me? Have I, have I asked Jesus to baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire? Do I, do I have this fire like a, a prophet Jeremiah is talking about? Do I have a, a prayer language that is, that is intimate and supernatural? Do I, have, do I have this ramble being burned out of my life? Am I a brightly shining light? We've got to reckon with these things. We got to recognize if we ourselves, our flame is beginning to, beginning to burn low. And there's, there's one simple verse that I want to give you as a solution. Then I want to end with a, with a personal testimony. 
You say, what do I do when, when I notice that the fire in my life? What do I do, pastor, when I notice that I just can't, for the life of me, seem to get hungry again or seem to care about my relationship with the Word of God or my prayer life? Like, pastor, seriously, I mean, I don't really pray at all. What do I do? And Revelation gives us the simple solution in a much more complex ocean of answers. But in Revelation 2.5, it says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If you want to bring it down to a nutshell, do the works that you did when the fire burns so brightly in your life. Do the works that you did. Did you used to help more people? We're not making this a works gospel by any stretch of the imagination. But, but for me personally, when the fire's burning brightly, more brightly in my life, I sure am motivated to do more for more people. Amen. When you first got saved, you'd be, you'd be in the word. You'd be praying, putting on the worship music. Cranking it up. Leave me alone. I'm worshiping. Do the things that you did at first. I'm not just talking about just on a simple level. I want to get personal with you. There was a time in my life. It was a great season in my life, in my wife's life, actually. We just came back from Philippines. We'd been in the Philippines for five plus years at that point. was ordained for ministry. Man, my life, my life and ministry really began to just sort of develop. And we came back and Hurricane Katrina blew through. Man, I tell you, sorry for all of us who were affected by Hurricane Katrina, but man, I was sure excited about it. I was so excited about Hurricane Katrina. I mean, I know it's horrible what, what happened. I'm not talking about the post-Hurricane Katrina. I'm talking about pre-Hurricane Katrina. When I, when I saw it coming, I was so bored out of my brain. Being back from overseas, being in Asia and the Philippines for those years, and having a burning desire to go to China. Hurricane Katrina blew through, and I was like, it just flipped all of our lives as it did upside down. I was like, yeah. We dove into that thing headlong for the next 18 months, baptized in Hurricane Katrina. Some of us literally and spiritually in the ministry and everything that took place. Well, the years begin to, after Hurricane Katrina, you know, a year comes by and about two years comes by. And I think we're going on around that third year. Well, when we first got back, as I just mentioned, I was so excited about Hurricane Katrina because I was so bored because I wanted to be in China. I wanted to be in China more than anything in the entire universe. I just wanted to be in China. And for whatever reason, we ended up back here. And it was obvious we were able to be, you know, helpful with Katrina, with our, our church and everything. And but as the, as the year went by and second year went by, we, we began to get really kind of comfortable. We were comfortable. And you say, what's bad about being comfortable? Well, because I'm talking about fire today. And in this instance, I'm talking about the fire of the calling of God in my life. And this particular flame was for us to go to China. And at this point in time, I'm, my wife and I are looking at each other and we're like, we're good. No, we're good. 
We bought a little house, a little, you know, inexpensive home, $86,000, my first home. Man, can you imagine buying a house for that? No, I just, I'm sorry. They're not out there anymore. <laughs> of course, if it's a foreclosure or halfway burnt down. <laughs> Even then, it's going to be a little more. Bought our little house, did our little kitchen, put our little laminate floor down. We were just so thrilled, and we were just so comfortable. Still had the call to China, but weren't really thinking about it, weren't really praying about it. Weren't stoking those flames anymore. We're just letting it just lie dormant. And three years came about. I think a little bit over, right around that three-year, right before that three-year mark, something happened. And don't ask me what. It's a little bit too personal for this platform. Not, don't ask me what right now. But something happened, and it shook us. Everything that was so comfortable, everything that was so wonderful, all of a sudden, in a moment of time, wasn't. Next thing you know, I began to pray again about China because I was no longer comfortable with the place where we were. The Lord began to just do something, rekindle, and it was like, an op- it was like a sovereign opportunity that I believe we all get. And like Paul was telling Timothy, it does take effort rekindle the flame stoke the flame back into flame is what he told him stoke the flame rekindle fan the flame fan it back into a burning flame and next thing we know we began to pray i'm telling you we went from a flickering flame for the desire for china to the next thing i knew i was within months I was on an airplane, and I was just showing up on the ground, and I was going to let the Lord open up doors. And within about, within about nine months, we were, I'm on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. And, of course, for us, for those who don't know, we had a 10-year period. It was a word spoken over us that we, we didn't know how prophetic that word was. But prior to us going, having that burning desire, a word spoke to us saying, ten year, almost 10 years to the date, you're going to look back and say, how did the Lord do all this? But lo and behold, to us at the time, we didn't know that 10 years to the date meant that we were on a, back on a jet plane, heading right back to where we started from. And so there was a season fulfilled there for us we didn't want it to be fulfilled we didn't like look at it like that as the time we were there but putting the pieces together hindsight we then begin to see the sovereign plan of the lord but my point is is that there was a moment with that plan in china and y'all know what china has meant to us in that part of our our life and ministry that there was a season where that flame was like barely a pilot in an oven Barely. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we were able to fan that thing back into flame. And we, 10 years there on the ground, and ministry continues there to this day. And that's just our one little personal journey on our end. Each one of us, each one of us, God has a plan, a purpose, a vision, a dream. A flame burning within us. You say, how much more of me does God 
want. He wants more. He wants you just to open your heart. If there are flames that have begun to die out, he wants you to fan them back into flame. If you're not sure whether there there have been flames there, he wants you just to ask Jesus, Lord, just baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If he's looking at Timothy saying, come on and rekindle that thing once again and go back and do the things that we've done. At the beginning, I'm telling you, people of God, especially as we near the coming of the Lord, as we've been for the last five weeks teaching on, we need to be a people who burn brightly for Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We don't want to be a people. We don't, yes, you can get into heaven with a faintly burning candle, but that's not who we want to be. We want to be a brightly burning people for Christ in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. Hallelujah.